I'm writing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. The Apostle Paul makes this statement. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. This is the wisdom of our God in salvation. This is God's revealed will of how he saves sinners. And he tells us it's not by our wisdom. It's not going to be by our works, good or otherwise, and it's not going to be by our wisdom and understanding. This is God's wisdom. Now, our God has given us the testimony of his word. His word is given to us here in the scriptures contained in the Holy Bible. This is the word of God. This is God revealing his mind and his thoughts to men. He's, he's telling us what he thinks, what is so, not even, it's the truth. It's the truth. And he gives his word to us. And by us, I mean all children of Adam. Any one of us can pick this word up and read it and know what God's thoughts are by his grace, by his grace. Now, Adam, God created Adam, and when he formed Adam, he put him in the garden, and Adam was under a covenant of works. All he had to do was obey God. And the Lord told him, <clears throat> he said, Of all the trees of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. You can take whatever you want of these trees here, except for that tree in the midst of the garden. Don't eat of that. In the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. You shall surely die. And we know that Adam transgressed the law of God. He transgressed the law of God. He ate that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I don't think there was anything special about that tree, no particular powers in that tree. It's just that God said, don't eat of it. Don't eat of that one. And Adam ate of it, and he died that very day spiritually. Sin entered by that one man, Adam, and death through sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We all were in Adam when Adam sinned. We transgressed and rebelled against the true and living God. And so we're all born. We all come forth being born of Adam's seed. When you come from your parents, you're born of Adam's seed. And if you don't believe God, all you need to do is just be honest with yourself and look in the mirror because we see that we're all sinners. Every one of us is a sinner against the true and living God. You just look at the world, look at your own heart, look at your own thoughts and your own deeds and dealing with others and what we think. We are dead in trespasses and sins. And so this is the testimony of God's word to us. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us is a sinner. And God in his wisdom testifies to these things to us in his word. You know, this word is a recording of 
all our history. It's a history. It's a synopsis of the, the creation of the world. From the foundation of the world to this day, this is telling us our history. And God has even given us a special focus on his people. The best of the best. He's put special focus on his people. He's recorded for us the patriarchs. Those are the first fathers. And, and how God revealed himself to them. He's given us word of, of when Moses gave the law to the children of Israel at Mount Sinai. He's recorded for us the forming of the nation of Israel under that law and what they did and how they received it. And how at first they were willing. They, they said, we'll do it. We'll do all that you command, Lord. He's recorded for us the kings, the priests, the prophets, and he's recorded for us the coming of the Messiah, his son, the son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh. And he tells us what he did, how he went about doing good. He tells us why he came, that he came to redeem a people from their sins by the shedding of his own blood. He tells us of his crucifixion, whereby he died as the Lamb of God, bearing the sins of his people, as the substitute of his people to put away their sins and to obtain eternal redemption for them, to give them life, to give us life in Christ, to have fellowship with holy God. And God did all this to make known to us his wisdom, to make known to us his salvation for his people. So that we read in Galatians 3.22 that the scripture, this word of God, his word contained here in the Holy Bible, his word, the scripture, hath concluded all under sin. God is letting us know. He's making known to us we are all sinners. Even those of us who think we're really good, those who you think are really good, all are sinners against the true and living God. Why did the Lord do this? He did this that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Remember, God's wisdom is that by our wisdom, we're not going to save ourselves. He's making this known to us. You and I are not going to save ourselves by our works, and we're not going to save ourselves by our wisdom and our skills, and what we bring to, to God. That's not salvation. Our Lord reveals to us His wisdom in saving the poor, the needy, the broken sinner. God tells us how He saves sinners, how He gives unworthy sinners, rebels against the true and living God. He tells us how He saves them for Himself to the glory of the honor, and the praise of our God. This is God's wisdom. And so our Lord is showing the perfection of his salvation by his Son. He's telling us it's not possible for you or I to save ourselves, but I've sent one who has redeemed my people. I've sent one who has saved my people perfectly, completely, so that you lack nothing to come to me in the blood of my Son. I give you everything you need in Jesus Christ, whom I have sent to save my people. When Christ came, 
he established for us by his obedience and his faithfulness to the Father, he established the covenant of grace for us so that now we come to God not in perfect obedience by our works, but in the perfect obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are received by God in grace. In grace. Having our sins washed by the blood of Christ. Having the guilt of our sins removed so that we come to God by faith, trusting Christ. Trusting that his blood is sufficient to save me. That he's redeemed me and purchased me from that death, that punishment that I earned and I deserved because I rebelled against God in my sin, not only in Adam, but because of what I do and what I am by nature. But Christ's blood has put it all away, and he makes his people to hear that word, to believe Christ, delivering us from trusting our works, delivering us from trusting our wisdom, opening our ear to hear this good news. And he convinces us that this is what we need and that Christ is sufficient to save us to the uttermost. And so if it were not for Christ, we would have been standing before God, suffering under the just and holy wrath of God, paying the price for our sins. And that was an eternal death, an eternal death that we could never have paid off and satisfied God by dying under his wrath. That's an eternal death. We would have died, but Christ in grace and mercy came. And as a willing Savior, a willing sacrifice, he put himself up. He went willingly to the cross, bearing the sins of his people, bearing the wrath of God for the sins of his people, to put that away from us forever, to deliver us so that the law now, that law which Adam broke in the garden, when he sinned against God, that law which was against us that we could not keep or fulfill is put away. It's silence. It has nothing more to say to you. It has no, no more authority over you anymore. You're under the, the authority of Christ. You that believe him, you that come to God and trust his blood, you're under the authority of Christ. And God the Father receives you for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. It says in Romans 6, verse 6 and 7, knowing this, that our old man, that's what we are in Adam, our old man is crucified with Christ. He's writing to believers, he's crucified with Christ that the body of sin might be destroyed. When, when he speaks of the body of sin, he's talking about me, my body, what I am in Adam, in my works, all my sin, He's talking about the law of that, that covenant of works, which was over us in Adam. He's talking about that law. He's talking about all our works and what we are and what we think. That whole body of sin, that inheritance in Adam, has been put away by the Lord Jesus Christ so that it has no more authority over you. Don't be afraid of that. Don't fear that. <laughs> when we were under that body of sin, we labored, we strove, we, we spent, we did everything we could because we were terrified to die, wondering, have I done enough to please God? Did I do enough? Am I good enough to stand before God? Or am I going to be destroyed by his perfection, by his holiness? 
Now in Christ, coming to God, trusting Christ, resting in the blood of Christ, we're at peace. We're at peace, and we trust him, and we want to know him. We want to hear him. We want to worship him and have fellowship with God and draw near to him. Not like Adam, who ran from God when he heard the voice of God coming in the garden. We don't run from God now. We want to hear his word, and we rejoice in what he's done for us. We rest in him again. Well, actually, I didn't even finish it. That, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. That's what I'm talking about. We're not laboring, trying to make a righteousness for ourselves. We are righteous. We that believe in Christ are righteous by the blood of Christ. Again, in Romans 6.14, For sin shall not have dominion over you. It shall not have the rule over you and drive you to and fro and scared to die and, and laboring under the devil. No more, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Under grace. Through Christ, our God makes known to us his gracious will and purpose for his people in his Son. To give you rest, to give you an, an expected end. Instead of doubting and wondering, when I get up there and I'm waving the scales, am I going to be found wanting? Yes, in your works, in your wisdom, yes, you and I will be found wanting. But in Christ, it's done. The works are finished from the foundation of the world. We're complete in Christ, complete in him. Salvation is come, and it's wrought by the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe him. Believe him. He is the hope of the sinner, the needy sinner he saves. He's gracious to all who come to him. But this world now, they hear what you hear. This world, whether Jew or Gentile, by their wisdom, they try to know God, but he tells us plainly, they don't know me. They don't know me. They didn't figure me out. They groped and they felt about in blindness, and they could not find me out. They could not understand me, and they don't believe me. Yet our God is willing to show his power. In spite of our enmity, in spite of our unbelief, God is willing to show his almighty gracious power to break through all those obstacles that we put up against the true and living God and to bring us to himself, to give us a knowledge of himself. How so? It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It pleases God through this means right here, the foolishness of preaching to you to deliver his people out of darkness from their false, vain hopes that cannot save. God does that through the foolishness of preaching, attending that word as it pleases him with his spirit to make that word effectual in your heart, to deliver you from all that you were trusting in. Now the apostle tells us here what the hang-up is for the Jew and the Gentile in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 22. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. And when you read Greeks, you can put Gentiles in there. It's just that the Greeks were foremost in their philosophies and their inventions of man and, and the, the age of man's reason and enlightenment, so they boast, so they think. But when the Holy Spirit of God brings salvation home to the heart of the sinner, this sin and rebellion, which is resisting the truth of God and stands opposed to the truth of God, it falls. It falls. It falls by the preaching 
of the gospel, this simple message. What the Jew was requiring and saying, I need a sign. You need to show me this is the truth. And what the, the Greek was saying, you need to come with flowery language. You need to come and convince me with reason and, and human understanding. Otherwise, I won't believe. All that falls before God. It falls before him through the foolishness of the preaching of the gospel. That's how God destroys the wisdom of man and the hope of man, that vain hope that man is trusting in through the preaching of Christ. This is where he declares to you his salvation, how that Christ obtained everything we need to be reconciled to God, to stand before God accepted of him, received of him. And he makes that known to us in the day of grace when he makes, when he forms that new creation in us, the Lord Jesus Christ, by his grace and power. He does that. He gives us, he takes that old heart, that faithless, cold, dead heart of man, and he removes it. And he puts in a new heart, a heart that is soft and pliable to God and hears God and believes him. And he grows us. He grows us. We don't have it all and understand it all immediately. But one thing we know, it's Christ. I need Christ. And he'll take you and he'll lead you and grow you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter said it this way, We have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in the dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. The Lord is constantly telling us in his word, You and me, our thoughts, our best deeds, our most intelligent, wise thoughts are all darkness. And this gospel comes as light shining in the darkness, knocking down all those things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of Christ. He brings them down through the preaching of Christ. You know, there's something to the plainness of preaching Christ crucified. It's a simple message. It doesn't seem like it should have any effect on us. The Jews rejected it. The Greeks rejected it. They thought it was nonsense, silliness. They put it off. They put it from them. And it shows us that God's way is contrary to man's way. Let me read back in uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 19. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. So that my wisdom, the wisdom of man, is brought to confusion before God. And it cannot stand up to the truth of God. And God does this so that I don't have any glory in my salvation. I can't stand before you and boast of what I've done for the Lord. My boast is what Christ has done for me. For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. That was spoken of. In, in Isaiah, that's a prophecy of Isaiah, speaking of the day when the gospel would be preached, when Christ would come and accomplish redemption, and he'd send out this good word, this glorious word, to, to announce to the people that their salvation has come, that Christ has already accomplished our redemption by the death and resurrection of himself, to turn us from our works, to turn us from our ways, and the natural man thinks it's foolish 
But to you that believe Christ, to you that are sinners, to you that need him, it's not foolish. It's the truth. It's the truth. Our Lord said it this way in Matthew 11, 25 and 26. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. Wisdom's justified of her children. Those who are truly wise hear this word and rejoice in it. We rejoice in it. Our God is the Lord, and sinful man is going to bow before our God and confess that Jesus Christ is all. You that believe, bow before him and confess him now. But even the wicked who, who refuse, they're going to bow before God and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord in that day. So where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Indeed, he does. He does, he has, and he does to this day through the simplicity of the preaching of Christ. Let me give you an example of what Paul preached. He tells us in 1 Corinthians 15. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And let's look at verses 1 through 4. Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. God's people don't forget his good word. We don't forget it. We don't turn from it. We continue in Christ to the end. For I, now here it is, for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That simple word, that declaration of Jesus Christ crucified and what he accomplished in his crucifixion for his people by his death and resurrection, putting away their sins and, and obtaining life for them, that word separates, it divides those that are the Lord's and those that are not the Lord's. Simply by faith, revealed, manifested, all who believe Christ have eternal life. God has revealed in them, you that believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior, that you cannot save yourselves, and Christ, Christ did it. He did it all. You that believe him, that's the manifestation of God's power in you, which has given you faith to believe Christ, to trust him. And all who don't believe, that's a manifestation that you're not the children of God. At least, not, at least the day of grace hasn't come to you yet. <laughs> It may yet come. Keep coming and hear that word, praying that the Lord be merciful to you to give you what he gives to all his children, faith, life, his spirit, hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how he manifests them that are his. He gives them faith in Christ, to trust Christ alone. And so we see it. Now the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. What he's saying there is for the Jews... The sign is their wisdom. And for the Greeks, your wisdom, the wisdom they want to hear, that is their sign. That's what they're looking for. 
But God's word doesn't meet man where man wants to be met. God's word cuts right to the heart of the matter saying, you, me, we're sinners. We cannot save ourselves by our works or our wisdom. You need to hear Christ. Look to Christ. Believe on him. He cuts right through it all. All the nonsense that we put up, he cuts right through it all and shows us the Lord Jesus Christ. He shows us, if you do not believe, you shall die in your sins. But Christ has come to deliver his people from that death. This is our message, verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. First, why is Christ's death a stumbling block to the Jew? Why is Christ's death a stumbling block to the Jew? Because Christ on the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ dying in the place of his people as the substitute, takes all my works in religion, all my works under the law, everything I sacrificed and gave to God trying to earn his, his acceptance, it renders it all worthless before Christ. You're saying everything I did, everything I gave up, isn't my salvation? It counts for nothing with you, Lord? It doesn't, because what, what the Lord is telling us is it's all in Christ. You are saved. If you are saved, it's by the blood of Jesus Christ alone. That's all I need. That's all I accept. I accept and receive those who come to me in the blood of my son, trusting him. That's my wisdom right there. That's my works. That's your works. That's everything I need is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's why the Jews stumble over it. They're saying, wait a minute. What about my righteousness? What about my years of service? What about what I did? You're just throwing that away for Christ? Yes. Yes. All you need is the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is the death of Christ on the cross for sinners foolishness for the Greek? Well, because they spent years developing their skills and or oratory, their oration. They would stand up there and they'd reason with you and say, well, you know, this thing or that thing. And if you do this, this will lead you to godliness. This will be your wisdom. This will be your acceptance with God. You'll ascend into greater heights if you do these things. But Christ on the cross, the simplicity of Christ on the cross, renders all the wisdom of man nonsense, foolishness. That's not your salvation, God's saying. Everything you said was lies and darkness. That's not salvation. My son Jesus Christ is salvation. And so the Greeks say, that's foolish. That's foolish. And how can a man in weakness accomplish such great things by the death of himself? And so they don't believe it. They don't hear that. Instead, instead of man teaching man what he must do to save himself, Christ has made unto us our light and our understanding. He reveals to us the true and living God. It's that simple message because we're, we're declaring Christ is everything. He's all. Come to the Lord and Jesus Christ the Son. His blood avails for everything we need. His blood speaks for you. He stands for his people and brings us into the presence of God reconciled to him received of him. He gives us life and power and grace to, to, to know the Lord, to, to believe him and to grow in that grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so 
In the preaching of Christ is where God reveals his power. This is where he manifests those whom he loves and chose from the foundation of the world. He gives you faith to believe Christ, to be done with your works to save yourself, to be done with your wisdom to give you understanding of God, and to come in Jesus Christ the Son alone. Verse 24, But unto them which are called, that is, effectually called by the grace and power of God. If you believe Christ, don't pat yourself on the back for that. Faith is not of the flesh. Faith is a spiritual gift of God that, that he gives when he gives you life. Believe him. Unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. That's how he calls us, through his Son. Hear him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You will not be ashamed to stand before God in that day, trusting wholly on the blood of Christ. I pray he make that word effectual in each of our hearts. Amen.